Okay, if you would take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And I'm going to start reading at verse 21. It says, And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it was written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is the blood of this this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So this afternoon we're going to be looking at the Lord's memorial. The Lord's memorial. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love, your mercies to us. We thank you that you're willing to die for our sin, that we might have life. Father, we thank you for this memorial in which we can participate and remember the body that was broken and the blood that was shed, that we might have redemption through our Lord Jesus Christ. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. J.M. Frost said this, quote, Hence we come face to face with the only two ordinances in the gospel, the Lord's baptism and the Lord's supper. Presented to us in great force and significance, they are the Lord's because they were observed by him, appointed by him, commanded by him, set by him in the churches to teach and to emphasize certain great facts and doctrines concerning himself. One came at the opening and the other at the close of his public life. Having observed them both, he perpetuated them in his churches and for those that are his. They are placed by him in the churches in each local body of believers. They are entrusted to its, to its care to serve noble and sublime purposes within the circle of its own membership. The one has an introduction of members upon a profession of personal faith and a personal savior. The other a service often repeated among the members in recognition and memory of their Lord and of their relation to him and to his death. And it is of immense importance that these two ordinances should be held as they were first placed and held in their integrity and purity and preserved in the unique and lofty purpose for which they were given. They come down to us losing nothing of force nothing of their rare charm. They have now precisely the same meaning as when he first observed them and fixed them in his churches. Unquote. I thought it was very well said. But we're going to be looking this afternoon at the Lord's memorial. I don't know, the first thing I want to notice is it is the memorial given to his churches. In uh, verse 26 to 28, the Bible says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. 
So this is, Jesus is giving the, uh, a memorial here. A memorial is something to preserve the memory of. Something to preserve the memory of. And he's giving it to his disciples. You know, this is a similar, it's similar in some ways to the Old Testament Passover. And the Passover was something that the Jews were to continue to do in memory of that first Passover in Egypt. And so uh, Jesus instituted the Lord's, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Memorial. That's a memorial concerning his death and the shedding of his blood. Uh, <clears throat> Paul uses the Passover to illustrate in, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, where he says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrifice for us. Uh, Luke twenty two nineteen. There it uses the word in remembrance, and, and here he doesn't use, use the word remembrance here, but in other passages it does. Luke twenty two nineteen it says, He took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And, of course, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is probably the lengthiest passage in the Bible describing the Lord's table, uh, uh, Paul, the apostle, instructing the church at Corinth, said, For I have received the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of of me. So the Lord's Supper then is a, a memorial, something to do in remembrance. It has no saving merit whatsoever. No saving merit whatsoever. It's not a, it's not a divine grace or a, uh, a sacrament that, that uh, brings about you know, favor, uh, 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 grace, the grace of God. No, it has no saving merit at all uh, in it. Uh, the second thing we want to see here this afternoon is it is for the members of the church. Uh, in Matthew 26, again, in verse 26, it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Uh, so he gave it to his disciples and you know, to, to the first members of the first church there in that upper room. Uh, and then also, Paul elaborated on that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You might want to keep your place there because we're going, going to be going back there quite often. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, four times he, Paul talks about when ye come together. And 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 17, says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. And of course, the context here is the Lord's Supper and their violation of the Lord's Supper. And then in verse 18 again it says, First of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Uh, then again in verse 20, When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. And then in verse uh, 33, again, Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. Now, the of course, the problem at Corinth was they were uh, they were having a love feast. You know, it's sort of like we do. We have a fellowship dinner, 
And and at that fellowship dinner, there of course at the at the church of Corinth, there was wealthy people, there were poor people, there was intellectual people, and there were common people like you and I. And and so these wealthy people brought in a lot of food. And if you read if you read the rest of chapter eleven, uh, um, uh, you you would see that these wealthy people bring a lot of food, and there was others that were poor that were going without food, going hungry. And, and it was causing division, and they were, and, and Paul uh, kind of chided them for their selfishness and not uh, sharing, you know, like we do, put the food out on a, on a, on a table or on the counter, and everybody just partakes of whatever's there. Uh, no, you know, they were, they were saying, well, this is mine, uh, you know, and I can have a lot to eat, and sorry for you if you, you know, if you have to just settle for half a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, that's too bad. But I got steak and eggs and whatever. But, so this was the problem at Corinth, but he, and so he, he says to them, but when ye come together, the point I'm making here is it was the members of the church. He says, when ye come together four times, uh, and he says in verse 23, for which I received, for I received the Lord, that which I also delivered unto you. Uh, and so, you know, you're to show, you're to eat, ye, uh, and, and, and he, he's talking to the church at Corinth and how they were to, they were to it was for the, or the uh, Lord's Supper was for the members of the body. Uh, if you read through the passage, in fact, in verse uh, uh, 26, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you just show the Lord's death till he come. Uh, among them, they were to examine themselves, for it says in verse 30, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. So he's excluding himself from this group and and saying that you know they were to it was for the members of the body, uh, just like the Passover meal was for the children of Israel. In Exodus twelve forty three says the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, "This is the ordinance of the Passover: there shall no stranger eat thereof, no stranger eat thereof." Uh, so it is for the members of the church. The third thing I want to notice is is for members. After examination. After examination. And go back to Matthew chapter 26 and verse uh, 21. And verse 21 says, And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto the Lord, Is it I? And he answered and said, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. So it's for members, and of course, after examination. You know, and there are two examinations, really, before one should partake of the Lord's Supper. The first one is an examination of one's profession of faith in Christ and, and submission to baptism. And I believe this is done by the church, and this is the examination really we're talking about right here in this passage, in this context. Judas is being revealed for who he really is. He's not a saved man. He's not a saved man. Uh, so this examination is, is done by the church when one joins. You know, examine one's profession of faith. Is Christ real in your life? Is it a, do you have a true profession? And of course, 
uh, baptism is symbolic of one receiving Christ and identifying with Christ, being buried with Christ. That, really, to me, that picture is repentance. You're willing to, to give up your own life, and you're willing to resurrect to new life in Christ. And baptism is the door of entrance into the local church. And it's, it's a symbol of dying to self, as described for us in Romans chapter 6 and verses 3 through 6. Uh, <clears throat> Romans 6, verses 3 through 6, where the Bible says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if being planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So it's a, it's a picture of turning from self, from sin, from the world, and turning to serving Christ or submitting to Christ and dying with Christ. You know, dying to yourself and crucifying the old man and resurrecting to new life in Christ. And, and it, it, it's a, a picture of what happens in the heart when a person repents of their sin and puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord. You know, the word Lord means he's master. He's commander. He's the one in control of your life. He's the one that you're submitted to. He's the one you're serving. No longer serving self. And so... The church is to examine one's profession of faith in Christ. And I believe that's what Jesus is doing here with Judas. There's no, he's examining him. Uh, the second, there ought to be a self-examination. In verse 25 it says this, Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, I. And he said unto him, I don't know. Is it you? No, that's not what he said. What do you say? Thou hast said. Now, the thing that I want to point out is, is Judas really asking if it's him? Or he just didn't want to come right out and admit it was him? Because Jesus didn't say, yeah, it's you. He said, thou hast said. So, you know, there should be self-examination, and, and, and Judas here is put on the spot where he has to examine himself. He has to examine himself. Now, Judas is examining himself about his true self, whether he's saved or lost. I believe Judas is a lost man. But we, as God's people, as members of the church, uh, we need to examine ourselves. In fact, let's go to, to um, 1 Corinthians 11. In verse 28, and this is, again, when you, to understand any teaching of the Bible, you have to compare all the passages of Scripture pertaining to that very thing. And in 1 Corinthians 11, it gives us more instruction. It's elaborated on. Of course, Paul was the one who, to whom the Lord revealed the mysteries concerning the teachings and the doctrines of the Lord's churches. So it's fitting that Paul would elaborate on this more than all the others. But in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28, verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat of that bread and drink that cup. 
For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. So, there ought to be a self-examination of every member of the Lord's church, and you're asking ourselves some questions. Am I living in obedience to the Lord? Is Christ real in my life? Do I have a heart for God? Am I living to please Him or living to please myself? Am I faithful to the Lord's body, His church? Am I faithful in daily life? Do I spend time with my Lord each day, communing with Him? Is there known sin in my life that I'm not willing to repent of? Again, am I living in self-will? You know, this was the problem at the church of Corinth. There was a lot of self-will. There was a lot of selfishness. There was a lot of, of, of uh, living for self. There was, there was some were living in sin. And because they were and they hadn't examined themselves... God had judged them. God had chastised them. And, and he said in verse 30, For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Now, we know what sickly is. We know what weak is. But the, the word sleep there refers to death. Some had died. And we, this, is, this is an example of, of uh, a sin unto death that can be committed by a, a Christian where they uh, uh, sin against the Lord, and it's of, of such great extent that the Lord takes shortens their life. And so there were some that had died because of this, because of their, their uh, in-your-face living for self against God. Their presumption. You know, we're, not, we're not to take the Lord's table under presumption. Now, we need to examine... We need to each examine our own life. Uh, so there ought to be an examination uh, prior to partaking of the Lord's Supper. And he says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be such. So we would examine ourselves and then judge ourselves in the mind of God. Of course, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, that means we agree with God. Confess means to agree with. And... So if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. When we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a serious matter uh, to consider that we need to have, we need to have it, uh, for members after examination. Fourth thing I want to notice is the, its, it's, it's meaning, uh, as I said, is a meal of remembrance and and, and, and these, the bread and the blood, are metaphors. Uh, or they're symbolic. It's a, it's a picture of his body that's broken. Notice verse 26 says, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. Now, you know, of course, the Catholic Church and the Lutherans, some of them teach that, you know, when you pray over that wafer or whatever, it actually becomes the body of the Lord. Uh, now, we're not cannibalistic. Uh, John 6, Jesus find, declared this 
very plainly. You know, he said, except you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life in me. And then he said in verse 63, I think it is, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. So he wasn't talking about eating his flesh and drinking his literal blood. He was talking about bread and blood are symbols. They're symbolic. Uh, so bread, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a picture of the body of Christ. And in uh, the cup, or the fruit of the vine, which would be grape juice, uh, you know, is a picture, a metaphor of the blood shed for us for the sending away of our sins. Verse 27 says, He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission. That word remission means sending away. You know, our sins are not uh, uh, covered. No, they're sent away. They're as far as the east is from the west through the blood of Christ. But, again, it's a metaphor. So we're to do this in remembrance. It's a perpetual memorial, a reminder of God's grace in delivering us from the bondage of sin and slavery to sin through his death and the shedding of his blood. Uh, it is a solemn memorial. It, again, it has no saving merit whatsoever. However, it's not something to be taken or done carelessly or unworthily, as the Bible calls it. Again, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, he uses that word unworthily twice in this passage. And that word unworthily means in a man, unworthy manner or irreverently. Now, I heard years ago of a well-known radio pastor who would take his take people out on the beach and serve the Lord's Supper using Coca-Cola and potato chips. Well, I think that's taking it irreverently. Uh, you know, the proper elements are bread, and in fact. I think it should be unleavened bread, because leaven is a type of sin. Jesus had no sin. And, of course, juice, uh, the fruit of the vine. So, you know, again, the Lord's Supper is not something to make light of. It represents the sacrificial shedding of the blood of the Son of God for our sin. It ought to cause us to bow before him. He gave his life for us. He died for me. It is my wicked sin that he died for. It ought to fill our hearts with thankfulness and love and appreciation for the price that was paid for our redemption. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 49, verse 8, for the redemption of their soul is precious. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 tells us, for not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so, it's, it, it, it is, its meaning is significant. It's something we need to do in remembrance. And it's, a, it's figurative, it's symbolic of the body and blood of Christ, the body that was put to death and the blood that was shed for our sin. And then number five is, is message. In verse 29 uh, uh, it says, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the wine until the day when I drink it new in my Father's kingdom. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 again, verse 26. 
It says, for as often as you drink this bread, or eat this bread, and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death to a come. So the message is, the word show is used 17 times in the Bible, in the New Testament. It's, the word is translated 17 times show, 10 times preach, 3 times declare. So whenever we partake of the Lord's table, we are showing, we're kind of preaching or declaring, He's coming again. He's coming again. See, we're to do it. We're to show the Lord's death. And we are to show the Lord's death to the world. So when we partake of the Lord's memorial, it's a reminder to us that we are here to show the world that Christ died. To declare to the world that Christ died for their sins. He rose again to give them life eternal. And He's coming again. In power and great glory and with judgment. With judgment. Therefore, you know, as we think about that, it reminds us of 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 54 through 58, where he, where uh, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 says this. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall we brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, we're, we're to show, we are showing the Lord's death till he comes. So we're to be declaring to the world. It's a reminder to us that we are here to declare to the world the Lord's death, the Lord's resurrection, and it's coming again. So be steadfast. Declare that we believe King Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. And we're to declare to others that they need to prepare. Are you ready? You know, in Acts chapter 16, verse 17 said, The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show, that's the same word, show unto us the way of salvation. See, the Lord's Supper is a reminder that we're here to show to the world the way of salvation. The way of salvation. We're here to declare it. You know, just like in Athens when Paul preached there, I think he would do the same thing today in many of our cities. He would tell them, you worship, you know not what. You know not what. You know, most of the world does not know what they worship. In Acts 17, 23, he says, For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. See, we have a message that the world needs to hear. And the Lord's Supper is a reminder that we're here to show or to declare that message to the world. We have an hope, an expectation. It isn't just a, well, I hope so, 
hope sun comes out tomorrow, I hope, you know. No, we're expecting it. We believe it's going to happen. We're really expecting it, that Jesus is coming again, based on the record he has given us. So as we partake, remember his death, that was his body that was put to death for us. His blood was poured out for our sin. We remember also that he is coming again. Even so come, Lord Jesus. So as we partake of the Lord's table today, again, we believe it's for the members of the body. Members of the body. Now, if you're not a member of the body, we're, we're glad you're here today, but it's, it's, it's not for you. It's for the members of the body. If you're here today and you're, there's something, and you're a member of the body and there's something in your life that's not pleasing to the Lord, there's some sin in your life you're unwilling to confess, better not to partake than to partake unworthily. So might we examine our hearts before the Lord? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for the instruction that it gives us. We thank you, for the Father, for this memorial that you instituted for your churches. And I pray that you would help us, allow you to search our hearts, and as the psalmist said, to see if there be any wicked way in me, and cleanse me. So, Lord, I pray that you would help each one to search their hearts today. And uh, we just rejoice in your goodness. We rejoice in your sacrifice for our sin was paid for our redemption. And we'll thank you and praise you. We do pray in Jesus' name.